2: Welcome along to this week's edition of the Sky Blue's Extra podcast in association with the Sky Blue Tavern, the number one place to get a curry and a pint in Coventry. My name is Dean Atkinson. Delighted to be joined by Ross and Matt this evening. Chaps, good evening.
3: Good evening. Good evening.
2: How are we? Yeah, no complaints. How are you? Very well. I can see you're smiling from ear to ear, which must mean that the Sky Blues have had a decent week.
3: (laughs) We're all in the same boat this week, I think.
2: Exactly, yeah. It's uh, obviously a huge week for for the Sky Blues, following up with that gritty win at Cardiff last Saturday with another two victories against Sheffield United and Stoke City. Of course, we'll look back at both those games in a little bit more detail later on, but... Let's get some overriding thoughts from you boys, first of all. Um, Ross, it it kind of feels like a turning point this week. I don't know how how you feel about that. Um, Maybe since that international break, you'd have to say, and yes, okay, we did lose to Burnley in that little run, but it's 13 points from 18. One goal conceded in that period. Joint lowest goals conceded in the league. Now, who'd have thought that after (laughs) the start we had? Six clean sheets out of seven. And more importantly, for morale, more than anything, I suppose we're off the foot of the table. Things are looking pretty good right now.
4: Yeah, they are, and I think, like you say, I think this was a big week. Um, and we, and I, I remember we said, you know, weeks ago when we were sort of in the mid- midst of that sort of debacle of you know not playing any games, that we needed to win. We needed back to back. We were chasing, you know, the games we needed to win two or three in a row, and we've done it. And the table looks so much more healthier it did even after last week's win against Cardiff and then just got better again uh on Wednesday night and then again even better you know yesterday so it's it's been a big week and I feel like you can sort of everybody you know the mist the mist is sort of gone you know everyone the players look more confident Mark Robbins is sounding himself from like last year you're sounding more yourself Dina you're happier it's you know Hey, I, I wasn't.
2: I wasn't one of the the doom and gloom merchants who feel, thought we were going to get really no, no,
4: no, you weren't. To be fair, you didn't have bad vibes actually. Uh, no bad vibes. You, your yeah. vibes were pretty good. But uh, but I think everybody just feels so much better about it. We've got players coming back, um, whether that be from suspension or obviously injury. So there's there's po- there's lots of positives, and I think we've got two home games coming up, and we can look at the games to come up until the World Cup break and think, let's let's get as many points as we possibly can, and and I think it's quite remarkable where we are considering yeah. everything we've had to put up with. It. Really, I mean, I'm looking at the table in front of me now. I just think it's mad where we can get to, but it, sort of, yeah. I, I think I think the, yeah, Mark Robbins, Vivi Ash, and the players deserve a lot of credit because it's it was tough. You know, it was it was there was a lot of doom and gloom, there was a lot of frustration. So to get three wins in a row and to like you say that the, the important stat is the clean sheets. I think that's incredible. You know, you go back to the Luton game, which obviously we got a point in. But I remember thinking, goodness me, we we weren't kept a clean sheet at that point. I thought we're never going to, we look like we're going to concede every every time the opposition yeah. attacks us. So it's, it's a huge change. And it reminds me of that run we had, you know, in the COVID season when we had about five nil-nil draws and a, the odd win. But that gave us that platform. And what we've done now is we've built that base of clean sheets, hard to beat, very difficult to score against. And now we, we've got enough quality to go and nick goals, win a penalty here, there. So yeah, good, feeling good.
2: Matt, with that in mind, how high do you think the ceiling is for this team now, for the rest of this season, or maybe up until the international break?
3: Um, I mean, I think the key was always was patience because we were um, we were in a false position. Position everybody knows that because of what happened at the start of the season. Um, I think before the Cardiff game, I'd, I'd said in the preview. It was just about trying to turn some of those draws into into wins because we had drawn a lot of games and um whilst there were some not bad results in there as us mentioned we drew away at luton which obviously is clearly a really good result and birmingham isn't a bad result as well it was it wasn't really enough to kind of push us up the up the table and it was kind of getting frustrating even though it was fairly solid and now we've we that is exactly what we've done we're, we're keeping those clean sheets and actually you know, even though the strike, striking side of things isn't looking as good as it maybe has at other points in, in the season or in previous seasons. We're now nicking a goal or like yesterday, obviously, we didn't really nick goals. We, we scored great goals. So we're taking up our, our opportunities when they come. So we're looking really solid at the back, which is obviously always going to be a fantastic platform for, um, for moving up the table. In terms of, you know, looking over the next four or five weeks before the World Cup break, there definitely is a lot of opportunities in there. Obviously, we've got a lot of these home games coming up that we um, missed out on at the start of the season, some really winnable games in there. Now, we've got all three of the sides that um, came up last season. So you're always, you know, not to to disrespect those sides, but you're always looking at those as opportunities. We've got Blackburn in there, who have obviously um, made themselves in a bit of a false position with the fact that they do... Um, you know they will give you opportunities and they will lose games as well so they
2: haven't drew yeah have they it's either a win or a yeah. loss for them it's either a win or
3: a loss for them so yeah it, it's certainly a game we can go into with confidence even though we're pretty much at the other ends of the of the table um you know a couple of maybe tricky games in there as well but certainly opportunity for us i was kind of looking at it before the two games this week and thinking you know there is a realistic opportunity for us to push ourselves out of the uh relegation zone by the international break with the look of the games coming up. And that's why I felt the draw on Saturday against um, Stoke would have been a good result for us because we had those games coming up that were, you know, realistically winnable. But looking at it now, you know, I I look, I expect us to be out of the relegation zone by the time of the World Cup, which is... I was going to
2: say by the end of next week, surely. Well, Well, yeah, I mean, give them a little bit
3: of a window, but... uh, We could
2: could be in the top half by this time next weekend. I mean that's how stupid this
3: league is though right it, it's pretty crazy um you know give them maybe a little bit more of i know O'Hare's coming back and we're on a good run and everything else but oh, <laughs> i probably God, am one of these Debbie downer here his... i am one of these people <laughs> i always kind of you know when you when, when you're struggling a little bit i always kind of look at it try and keep the positive side and then try and keep my feet on the on the ground a little bit when it goes the other way as well but um but you know i think it's fairly optimistic to think we can put ourselves comfortably outside of the relegation zone by the time of the world cup and you know let's go back not even eight days nine days ago if you would just said that to us you know nine days ago we'd have been absolutely ecstatic by that and now yeah. we're we're saying that's that's not good enough we need top half apparently <laughs>
2: <laughs> and i think the sort of the changing in fortune is so come with a change in the style of play ross hasn't it um and something i want to bring up because it's very much back to the actual football basics isn't it you know and I hear lots of people moaning still about how we've approached games recently and I'm thinking yeah okay look it's not pretty, it's not gung-ho, it's not exciting get you off your seat like it was last season but at the time we have needed results right and we started to get them and it's been without two of our most influential players during this period and sometimes you have to go back to basics.
4: Yeah exactly yeah it needs must and you know, it's one thing trying to be more defensive and we would we, have all sat here and said, you know, when we were conceding goals for fun, look, we need to just, you know, maybe stop out trying to play so much out of the back, go back to basics. Like you say, no nonsense, cut down the unforced errors, but it's easier said than done. You know, some teams try and go defensive and they still leak goals for fun, but we, we've, we haven't been. So we've had, it's, it's succeeded far better than, I mean, that's an unbelievable stat. Yeah, you know, six clean sheets in seven games. Like that, that's, it's, it's the joint it, lowest goals conceded it, it, in the league. I mean that 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 stat i that one's slightly warped because obviously we haven't played as many games, so we could concede more goals. But but for me, the six clean sheets in seven, that obviously that stands stands so true in terms of what we've done. And like you say, I think people are playing to their strengths. I think Jake Bidwell has been fantastic this season He definitely heard
2: us on that second episode of this year's podcast
4: he, he definitely did mate he de- definitely did you know <laughs> um and, but but the style of play has gone more back to basics but it's what was needed and I think you got to remember I think earlier on in the season we were trying to play you know that sort of and I think we will try and get back to what we did last year but we had you know Bidwell we had Panzo, we had Doyle we had quite a new back line I remember the Preston game we looked like a a team who had never played together. We didn't look like a team. We looked like a bunch of individuals. That's completely changed. And it's true what Mark Robbins said. The more games we play in a in a row, we'll build up momentum and we look sharp. The togetherness is there. I mean, you look at the team spirit. I mean, and that was evident in what they said, you know, when we had our Q&As at the Sky Blue Tavern, all the players we've had so far all spoke convincingly on how the team spirit, the mood in the camp, you know, with only one win on the board, being bottom of the table at that point was still was a fantastic mood in the camp and that gave me and I think everybody who was in attendance those nights great confidence so look I, I think the style of play is good can we do more going forward yeah but we've got those players coming back now so I think we've got that base to build on
2: now it's obviously not always great news for the Sky Blues and, and Matt I'll come to you since you were being a Debbie Down in that previous segment um, now to bring the mood down a little bit it's in, with the news that obviously both Matt, Matty Gordon and, and Liam Kelly will now be out for the foreseeable future, or at least till till the new year. Um, just as we seem to be getting bodies back into the building to boost the squad, this is a bit of a blow, isn't it? And especially for Liam Kelly, who was just returning from that huge layoff. And this kind of, for me, and it pains me to say this, but kind of feels like the end of the road now for for the skipper with, with us, uh, with him out of contract in the summer.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. I can't, you know, even coming out the other side of this, I, I can't, unfortunately, and it's, it sounds quite harsh to say, I can't see him putting that runner game together. Certainly not, um, you know, with us before the end of the season with the competition that's now built up in midfield on the basis of the fact that people have had to come through as well. And obviously, you know, you've got the likes of Sheaf and Hamer already who were, you know, high quality, but. Um, Allen's had a regular run of games now and he's shown his his value. You've got Eccles, who's obviously played a lot more this season and certainly in the last few games where he's needed to as well with Hamer being suspended. Um, so even when he does come back, I, I just, you know, if there is that possibility that he does stay fit, I can't see him getting the run of games where he would be overly influential. And I do, you know, I would be shocked if he was to stay past the end of the season. Hopefully there's still a role he can play in this season with regards to his influence in the squad and in the change room and everything else which i'm sure you know he he already does so um on that side of things as you know as harsh as it may sound i I kind of feel like we at the moment feel quite covered but where it could be difficult is obviously we're, we're talking about the fact that we do have those game in hand games in hand that we have to you know play over the next few weeks we've got a lot of games still in the next Four or five weeks before the World Cup kicks that's off, that's where I
2: thought he would have come into his own. You know, with with yeah. how many games we were going to play, with that you know to sort of keep the side fresh, and you know for the for the bigger games, then you know Liam Kelly can come into the side. But it's just snaps. he takes shaker.
4: time to it, doesn't he? He takes it. I feel like you know Callum O'Hay played one forty five minutes in the under twenty ones or under twenty threes, and you know, he's on the bench. And you, you there's some players who I think naturally that's eight, are more isn't match. It? You know, no, I, I agree. But, but Kelly, I always feel like takes games to get Matt Sharp and then like you say Matt he's not he's not able he's clear, you know he's obviously had bad luck and you know I, I thought he was going to be a welcome addition back to the side but when Kelly's not sharp I think you notice it you know and you need him firing on all cylinders and the problem is it's another setback and it reminds me of the season that Dabo Godden and Rose all had in the COVID season when they'd literally have injury after injury after injury. I'm not sure Kelly will play again this season. I, I just I just think it's an, It's just another knockback. It's going to take him. He's out for months anyway. Then he's got to build up his sharpness again. He, you know, I mean, he's had what, two, what, two, three injuries already this season. You know, and you just think it's it, it's tough. I mean, he's out of contract at the end of the season, isn't he? So yeah, I I yeah. I do, I agree with Matt. I think if there's a way, I don't know, a coaching role or something like that, but I do... You Compare him to say fads who is just getting better and better, he's so robust. Touch wood, do you know what I mean? Barely is Mr. Game for what us. We, well,
2: I'm not sure what you were touching there. Wood, oh, okay, just, just yeah, for the for the, for the uh, listeners for the, at home, they the, can't, yeah. just can't see
3: Oak. this. Um, a shot. for the benefit and, uh,
2: of the tape, Ross <laughs> would put his hands. Underneath somewhere which we couldn't see on this in-call. Cool.
3: Yeah, and
4: uh, but but Fads, yeah, you know, he, he played. he barely missed a game when he's played played for us, you know. And so yeah, Matty Godden, he yeah, you know, he's another one. You know, you talk about yeah. Kelly Godden's picked up, obviously an injury, and that's a blow. So it does feel like yeah, you know, we're getting a couple of people back, and you we know, and we were hit by another sort of snag of injury. So it's disappointing.
2: Absolutely. Right, let's let's look back at these these two games then because there was obviously quite a few bits that, that happened in Dunham. We'll start with the, the Sheffield United game for midweek. One change to the side that started versus Cardiff Rose in for Doyle. But the main talking point, Ross, was, was Hamer being back from suspension, wasn't it? And he was named on the bench. Was that, was that the right call for
4: you? Yeah, 100%. I thought um, Eccles was man of the match against Cardiff. I thought he was brilliant. He didn't deserve to lose his place. Um, the only other question mark for me was whether Palmer was going to actually sort of start. But, you know, he he kept it pretty much the same side. Obviously, Rose coming in for, for Doyle. And I think it was the right decision. The bench looked super strong. Um, you know, having Palmer and Hamer and ultimately being able to bring those two on, oh, I think acted as that sort of catalyst to give everyone hope in the stadium that we could nick it 1-0, you know. And it wasn't our most fluid football. I think, you know, it looked like it was destined for it. For But no, I don't think Hamer warranted coming straight back in and actually he came on and he brought some energy, but I thought he was slightly rusty. You know, he just blew off those cobwebs and obviously then against Stoke, we saw him in his uh, his sort of full flowing best. So no, I think it was the right call. I think it was the right lineup um, Yeah, yeah, for Sheffield United.
2: Matt, I've got the words to describe this game down here as bitty, lacklustre, lacking quality. Um, and that kind of showed in the in the two minute package of highlights that that literally went to the second half.
3: Yeah, I, and I think those are generous, um, kind of examples of the, of the game in in themselves. To be fair, I don't think you've been particularly harsh. You know, it it was just not enjoyable game to watch. But I think from a commentary perspective, you know, knowing the quality that Sheffield United have got on the pitch on the bench, you kind of you know, realistically, I didn't massively mind that. I'd want us to turn it into quite a bitty, um, you know, not fun encounter to watch, to be honest with you. from a, It's one of those, from a neutral's perspective and from a Sheffield United fan's perspective, they're probably thinking it's not a great one to watch. And I'm sure there's Cobb fans who, you know, we haven't seen as much at home this season as well. We're probably wanting to see us, um, you know, set off some fireworks and whatever else. But I think most realistic Cov fans are probably looking at that game thinking if we can make this quite a, a boring game to watch quite a bitty game quite a you know just one that's broken down you didn't really see many pas- passages of quality play and you know too many strings of passes put together and and for me that was that was pretty pretty much perfect in the first half I was quite happy with that always with that thought of you know if we can get that opportunity um are we gonna we gonna be able to to put it away so um yeah it, w- it wasn't a great encounter certainly in the first half but more than more than happy with that.
2: Ross Cooper talk to me about Keith Stroud. <laughs> and his performance on the night because that that was the obviously the the big talking point really was was about the referee yet again in this division. Yep. Absolutely dog poo poo
4: poo. Yeah. Uh he was yeah he was absolutely shocking. And
2: and that was for both teams and you see a both lot of teams, you're wrong. Are all the fans all saying that their man should have been
4: sent off but, for the uh, charge. Well the thing was I think, so obviously we'd all just, we'd all witnessed on the Sunday prior, you know, the Man City-Liverpool game, which, you know, Anthony Taylor went to the extreme in terms of, you know, never blowing for a foul at all. But we we saw that these little contacts, the ones which just infuriate you because it just stops the flow of the game, he wasn't pulling up for a foul, which I thought was right. So then obviously you're thinking, okay, cool, get to the game and within a minute, the first foul of the game, you know, if it was against us, never a foul, never in a million years. And you think, okay, well that's the bar then he's setting for the game. Yeah. A minute later, Chef, we got a free kick again, never a foul in a million years. So you thinking, okay, then the game was going on, and you thought, well he set the threshold for fouls really low. And then there was obviously that crunching two footer out of control on on Dabo on the on, you know, by the dugouts. If that was Hamer, uh, you can just see it now he'd have sprinted over, red card, yeah, out. Gone. Now, it was a terrible challenge, but, he, you know, he waited, and you just knew he was never going to give a red. It just went too long. He gave a yellow. So you're thinking, okay, cool. So he's giving fouls for, like, nothing. But for cards, it's got to be something, you know, exceptional <laughs> to get a yellow. A minute later, then he lost his head because, obviously, everyone gathered round. Keith Stroud lost his head because a minute later... I he made a mistake well, at that point. But, well, yeah, so... Okay, so he made... <laughs> He realised he made a mistake, so he decided, you know what, I'm going to make more mistakes. I'm going to give Ben <laughs> Sheaf a yellow card for literally doing n- nothing. If if they're the same level of offences, it was a disgrace. And then oh, and he gave, and then he gave Dabo a yellow, and it was almost like I'm punishing you for appealing that this guy will get a red, so I'm going to give you a yellow. Dabo then should have got a second yellow at the, start of the second half, and Dabo should have gone. I mean, and then oh, don't give me the penalty. This guy. I mean, we should have got Pelton and Casey Palmer for a start before that, and he just waved that away.
2: 7.4 seconds, seconds to, make, to oh, make the decision.
4: Do you know what? Yeah, I, I sort of went back and I was stood there and I was with Holly next to me. And I was like, H-. we were all just frozen looking, looking at the ref. The Sheffield United players weren't even appealing. They knew it was a pen. If you're a Sheffield United fan, you're thinking, well, you're just waiting for him to... And he didn't want to give it. It was the linesman who gave it. Credit to the linesman because I was watching him. And he said, you could just see him in his mic go, yeah, he, he got wiped out. Do you know what I mean it was the most clearest penalty because was right in front of me, he was dreadful. Keith yeah. Stroud. I think Tom Ward. Everybody on Twitter, if you follow him, it's at uh, Tom at Tom Ward. He he, he summed it up perfectly. You know he should never be allowed near football ever again.
3: Terrible, terrible, terrible. Did you have to as well the the Palmer one because you know I don't want to glaze over. I mean that was such a clear penalty. But yeah. Yeah. You watch Body it back channel, as well. It? Watching it at the at the time, I thought that that's a penalty. You know, and there didn't seem to be. A hesitation or a stop in the play, he just kind of carried on. He thought, "Am I? Did I?" So that's did no I see foul. That? Did I
4: see that wrong? And then he gave Fadz a yellow card for doing exactly the same thing as what happened to Palmer on the halfway line. He went, "No foul, yellow card." I'm thinking, "Hang on, so that's a yellow." And then the same thing happened to
3: Palmer. No pen. I thought, "This guy's a clown." If you're listening, Keith you, Stroud. you see the replays of the Palmer one. It, it only looks worse every time you watch it. It's one of those. It's. I'm saying fortunate for the defender because he just basically is stood frozen because the Palmer's kind of taken the ball very quickly and then got it away from really quickly and it's one of them he stood there. I don't think he can really move too much, but he knows like I've made contact with the guard where I've positioned myself before as Palmer's making the run is basically going to take him out. So you have to hope that the ball's gonna kind of you're gonna make contact with the ball first to make it maybe not a penalty. Yeah. But as soon as the ball goes past him, it's kind of when it's 100 percent clearly a penalty as soon as Palmer Goes anywhere near him and he, he obviously completely checks him. So, so I thought, did I miss seeing Watching it, you know, live during the game, and then you watch replays and you no, know, it, it was 100% it. It just ruins
4: the game, though. Do you know? And we, we sort of, you know, we can laugh about it now because we won, sort of thing, but just that sort of level of officiating and in terms of spoiling the flow of the game, you know, giving these fouls and just there's no consistency. You know, I just i don't see how you can give a yellow for one thing. And then literally something's far less. And like you say, for both sides, you know, we got stuff. You know, like I said, Dabba should have gone. Dabo, you know, yeah. you, like you should have gone. And so it just ruins the, the game. It really does ruin the game. And you just, you end up getting so pent up with frustration. Well, and you're just these, thinking. What
2: has to change then? Because we seem to be on this podcast every single week saying the officiating is rubbish. I mean, your man for Cardiff today is literally like Superman dived at the ball hand first. It's the most blatant penalty in the world.
3: There was so another it was one in the week as well, wasn't there, where somebody's kind of ran. I think it was Luton or something, and they've ran somebody side, side by side, and somebody's just gone over and it. It was you know, Cardiff you know, a anyway, red, card,
4: red card and a penalty, yeah. double yeah. jeopardy, and you watch it and you go, "It's not even a foul, even let even alone." Foul,
3: yeah, but it's one of those. I know. I know we don't like talking about vile. Like you know, if we if we know that the standard is not going to be where it is, then you either say you've got to you know, you've got to try and give them help some way or you, you kind of have to just accept and hope you think that it balances out over over the course of the season. So, I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> what else are you going to do?
4: To me, it's not... Yeah, the big decisions, I, I don't want VAR and, you know, and let's like say the big decisions, there'll be ones where you go, that was never a pen or it was a pen and you didn't get it, whatever. For me, what annoys me the most, which you expect the standard to be better, is the general, just the general officiating of the, the games, you know, just in terms of, those little fouls, you know, and you're just thinking, why? You know, that that's what frustrates me. I can I can cope with a, him getting a decision, like a big decision wrong. You know, it's happened a billion times. It'll happen, you know, a billion more times sort of for and against us. But it's the, it's those little fouls where you're thinking, we can all see it. You know, I don't know how you can be seeing, seeing something completely different to, to one on the ground. It's not even being biased. There's ones where we, we fouled their player and I'm thinking, that's a foul. And he's like, no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And there's four officials, right?
2: There's four yeah. of them. Yeah. So wh- why didn't they work as a team? It seems to be like the ref makes literally the call every single time. And then you see the times where they're looking at the linesman. The linesman was looking at the ref and the linesman hasn't flagged anything. So the ref goes, oh, yeah, f- throw into Coventry. And then the linesman will
4: point Yeah, yeah, away. yeah. It's like they're waiting for what the other ones to signify what it is. I mean, that's why credit to the linesman because without him... We would never have got that pen no. against Sheffield United. No. Never. So he, the linesman did give it. Thank God. Um, what
2: a quality spot kick it was, Matt, from, from Waghorn. That's duly dispatched, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, we know he's obviously, you know, he's on he's on corners quite regularly when he's when he's playing and he'll step up and take the odd free kick as well. So you know there's obviously that confidence in his ability to to strike a a dead ball and it, it's it is a great penalty. I mean it's it's one of those you classify as and say well the goal has gone the right way. Um, but he's pretty much stuck into the side netting. So um, one of those arcs kind of the right way outside of, of the dive and then back in at the last, you know, the last moments to to put it into the side netting. So we know he's he's got that quality. It's a massive goal for him. Obviously, we've seen in his celebration, his Ketspire inspired uh, celebration at the end where um, it, it, it's really good for him because obviously we watch Corner and, and he's one of those players that you can actually see the value that he brings to the side in the rare game time that he actually gets obviously usually he's coming on for maybe half an hour at most but 20 minutes fifteen minutes here or there and it's really difficult to get into a game but you can actually see the quality that he can bring in you know he's obviously a sturdy guy he's got that strength he's got that power he's got the ability to strike a ball um so he can bring something to the side. And we saw it in that run where um he started the season last season with with Gyokerez, you know, they were a, a formidable strike force. It was just that it was Gyok who was getting all the goals. Um, so he does bring a lot to the side, but there's always going to come a point with a striker. Um, and we got to this point with him last season where if you're not scoring goals yourself, yeah, people are going to start getting on your back. So you, yeah. um so even it, even if it is a penalty for him to get that goal. Um, and maybe buy himself a bit of time. You know, obviously, um, we've got that injury to Goddard now, so he's going to have the opportunity to get game time and, and and again, hopefully get some more goals. But he's going to get that opportunity to start games and hopefully put together that kind of partnership he had with um, Gokerez towards the start of the season, if it is him that we obviously go with.
2: And you're absolutely right. It's not just sort of on the pitch we see about his professionalism. It's also off it as well. And from what we hear and see, he's the real leader and inspiration in the dressing room. We see it when he's, on, like, warming up on the side of the pitch and a player's going to have to take a throw and he's in their ear encouraging. Um, and he's waiting patiently, hasn't he, for a chance. And, Ross, you think he's probably going to get that now with, like Matt said, Godden being out of the picture and, and Walker, obviously, we don't know uh, when he's back.
4: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, he, he you could just see the relief. I mean, I have never felt if that's nervous for for spot-kicking quite a while, to be honest. And I think everyone, you know, obviously, you always want, if we've got a penalty, obviously, you know, to score, but I, there was that extra thing I I really didn't want him to miss. Do you know what I mean? I think it, it just goes the other way if he if he misses or something. Um, I've always said that he needed a moment like Bakioko had, you know, Charlton away. You know what I mean? Winning us the game, and that's what he did on Wednesday night. Scored the winning pressure penalty kick, got us th- huge three points. His first goal in literally like a year. It's only his second goal for us. And he looked, you could just see the confidence. He just, he looked like that little half yard quicker than he was before. You know, it was like a weight literally been, you know, taking off his shoulders. He will get an opportunity. I think he can play that sort of slightly deeper striker role, probably better than Godden. I think, you know, and he showed at the start of last season, he can link it well. He is a good foil for Jokeres. I've had my doubts as to whether Godden and are actually a good strike force in the last few games anyway. So he'll get an opportunity, I think, because without the ball, he can drop into a number 10 position, you know, so then we've got the one up top. So he can play in that that sort of box as well. So I think he's a bit more versatile uh, and hopefully he can score some more goals for us because I want him to do well. I think we all do. Um, maybe he didn't reach the expectations we had last year, but yeah, he's going to get an opportunity. So fingers crossed that can be a, a turning point for
2: him. Right, right, let's get some man of the matches from this game then. Let's start with, with you, Ross, on that one.
4: Um. I'd say yeah, Fads. I think I think he, I, I, you know, I do think he was, you know, they they had corners galore. You know, at the end of the game, it was like unbearable uh, to watch. No, but Fads is always there, and I just think without him, he is that glue. You know, with the two centre backs either side, he's getting the best out of them. Yeah, Fads man of the match for because they, what we didn't do enough going forward for me to give it to like you know, an outfield, you know, like a, a player sort of further attacking. I thought Ben Chief had a good second half, but I thought he was sloppy in the first half. I thought Fads was consistently good throughout. So Fads for me.
3: Matt? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the, the defence, obviously, I mean, it deserves as much recognition as possible. Um, and we'll, we'll give that to, to certain people. But Fads, you know, he's, his experience at the moment around younger players, you um, and in those situations, as Ross says, where you've got a side who are going to get the ball in as much as possible, especially towards the end of the game, um, where they're desperately pushing for a goal, He's, he is actually somebody from a quality perspective who you, who you want there trying to, to obviously clear the ball away. So I think he was massive. Not even just his performance, which was great in itself, but his, you know, his leadership as well, I think, uh, made a match for me.
4: You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
3: Okay,
2: let's move on to Saturday's trip up to the Potteries and to Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, two changes for for this one: Palmer and Hamer brought back into the side. The latter, obviously, due to the suspension of of Ben Sheaf after picking up his fifth yellow card of the season. Um, Matt, I kind of felt like Ben Sheaf's presence was was missing a little bit in that first half. You know, I don't think we were really involved in an attacking sense and. Sometimes Ben Sheaf is the link that takes the defense into attack, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, I agree to an extent, but I also would would probably say that that you know even with Sheaf in the team, that has been a little bit missing, um, in recent weeks in terms of kind of that link between midfield and, and attack. So I I would also say it's probably an area we struggled a little bit in general. But you know, Sheaf as probably been the one constant that we've had in that midfield in terms of just his all, all-round play to an extent and his um, ability to kind of sheriff the midfield, if, if that's the right way of putting it. So uh, he's, at the moment, he's turned himself into one of those players who's always going to be a massive loss um, and uh, you know, I think obviously it's very fortunate to us that we'd, we'd had Hamer available to come back. He'd had that opportunity to get a little bit of game time in his legs um, in the game against Sheffield United. Plus he had a couple of were announced for the for the youth side, so it was it was fortunate to get him back. And obviously, I think it's another one of those things. You know, when you look at the slight changes that um, Robin's made, I, I think he's got in his mind with, um, with the way fixtures at the moment, kind of a little bit of a revert to what he did last season. You know, try and keep it as tight as possible, and, and then you know take your opportunities when they come. So again, you know, we said it for Sheffield United, it's not exactly the same prospect for Stoke, but was a little bit of, you know, keep it as close as possible. And then um, we really did kick on in the second half. So, um, you know, all all came good in the end.
2: Now, Ross, I know you like stats. And if you look at the stats of this first half, you'll see that Stoke had all the possession. And they'll tell you that there's only one team in it. But did we really feel threatened by them in that first half? It sort of just felt like, you know, we needed to stay in the game effectively.
4: Yeah, I, I didn't feel like... We do. We stayed in the game, and when we're proving, obviously, very successful at that, you know, when we're when we're not doing enough with the ball ourselves, and we're being so sloppy with it, and I think that's why they had so much possession because we just weren't just weren't keeping it. You know, that was our downfall. But we're actually staying in the games. But I don't think we're like clinging on by a thread. I feel like we're, you know, they hit the bar. Yeah, you know, they had a couple of half sort of shots of distance, but it was like the Cardiff game. First twenty-five minutes of that again, we had to sort of just just you know just. Hang in there and wait for us to find that moment, find our foothold in the game. So I don't feel overly threatened. I think stats can, especially possession. I mean, again, Burnley had a lot of possession against us, but it didn't really do a lot. I mean, it's alright to pass it around the back, you know, your back five and go side to side for for fifteen minutes. I mean, you know, it's about those killer passes. And I feel like what we're good at and what we haven't had, you know, um, in the past is we've got that ability, we've got that quality that when we do get it right, when we do put a few passes together. More often than not, we create big chances uh, to score goals, so and that's what happened in this game.
2: You talk about the killer pass. If you need any more reasoning to, to why Hamer is absolutely pivotal in this team, then the first goal tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it, Matt? Incredible through ball to Alan, and we've got to give Alan some credit as well for running beyond the attackers. Um, I know he, I know he, Jamie does his best to, to sort of lose the ball, but somehow it, it, it goes in the net, and I probably think we would have got a penalty. If it, if it didn't go in anyway.
3: Yeah, I agree. It was realistically, it was the first moment of real quality, I think, in the game. Um, and just following on from the previous point, you know, I know Alex Neal kind of said they've lost. You know, they've lost their la- their last two games at home to Rotherham and us. And I think in both games, he's talked about how superior, as you say, they were and how they did everything right and they did this, that, and the other. And you know, looking at the Rotherham game, which I did. As part of the preview, they had 29, 29 shots, but again, no goals against us. However many shots they had, no goals. And as Ross says, you know, ninety nine percent of the shots they had were all from range. So you, you can't be talking about great quality and superiority. And it's great having the ball, but how many times do we talk here on about stats of, you know, how much possession teams have, and then don't get the win and don't score goals. And you can take as many shots as you like from range, but again, it's a lack of quality if you if you're doing that. Um, because you can't obviously work the ball into greater uh, positions to try and score. And if you don't have the quality to actually score from 25, 30 yards, then there isn't really that quality there. So, you know, I can well, really... At, look
2: at West Brom and Middlesbrough in the top five of championship teams with possession. And do I need to, to remind you that they're in 21st and 23rd, respectively?
3: So Exactly. Yeah, this happens a lot. I remember a lot last season as well. There were a lot of games where we'd win with, with lower possession, and a lot of games that we lost when we had the high perception so it's you know this is something that happens quite a lot and i think you find a lot of teams now quite happy not to have the ball um as much as their opponents and obviously you know this is another example of it and it was as we say the goal was the first real moment of quality and it's where we really came into the game in the second half it's such a good ball from Hamer. i mean you can you know a through ball is really good where a player doesn't probably see the pass for about 80 percent of his run and then still looks down, and it's right there where it needs to be for him, um, that far into his run. you know, He's kind of looking around everywhere to try and see what's going on, and then realises the ball's there right in front of him through on goal, which for me just kind of highlights the quality of the pass through three or four Stoke defenders, has that little bit of bend on it to take it away from them, and put it perfectly into Alan's run as well. But as you say, just to give a little nod to Alan because I think that the thing for me with the role is his composure. Obviously it's a nice finish. He puts it away. Well I mean, feels like he almost slips and <laughs> that might help him a little bit with the finish. But it is the composure because he does he doesn't slash at the ball. He takes a touch when he's in the area, even though he's under pressure and he takes his time with the finish when it's, you know, out of his feet and, and the opportunity's there. So even if there was a bit of fortune. What I felt was really good was was the composure that he showed in that situation. You know, you expect a professional footballer in that position to score 99% of the time. But the reason that they don't is because of what other players around them are doing and then potentially that affecting what they do as well. So, yeah, I think it was all about his composure. And um, again, he's another one. It's great to see him get goals and, and hopefully add to that confidence as well because he's going to be important to us in the next few weeks.
4: He he needs belief that, that you know in, in in himself when he gets into those areas because he's not scored anywhere near enough. He was very uh, did open. You, did you hear the commentator?
2: Did Did you listen to the I follow commentary yesterday?
4: Uh, I did. Uh, no, I didn't. No, no.
2: It might not be an I follow actually, but someone said Jamie Allen back in back amongst the goals again, and I was like, "It was Dave Moore, what? I think." What? <laughs>
4: D- yeah, D- D- Dave, Moore, Dave Moore Dave Moore Dave Moore said if you listen Dave I remember when you said that Alan's good for a goal he loves in, a goal in, in, in 2019 I
2: think that I was he so, three hasn't he his whole yeah,
4: time I no I, I, I'm not going to take any credit but when we spoke to Jamie Allen at the, at the Q&A he I mean obviously Ben Sheaf as well needs to score more but Alan was like you can just see he doesn't you know have that Sort of belief in Self himself belief. to score. Yeah, yeah he, he it's it's said it. he was you like, oh.
3: towards saying you gave him the confidence to, uh, to go on I and get like this, like this I feel like I did because actually
4: I reminded him. You know, I, I reminded him of that goal he scored against us for Burton, the winner, and and I could see his eyes lit up. It's almost first like first
2: assist Hamer, second assist Ross Cooper. <laughs> Is that what's on the? That, uh, sc- yeah,
4: my stats are looking good. Um, but no, I, I want him to believe in himself more because actually he made a really good run, and like you say. You know, and he's finished it. He hopefully that will give him confidence. And actually, it was good that we players like him need to contribute more. We can't just rely on Vic, you know, to score twenty goals. It needs to come from midfielder, particularly if we're going to be playing, obviously, the box.
2: And we got two goals from midfield, didn't we? The the million pound man was back in it, the thick of it once again. But this was a brilliant team goal, both defensively and offensively. You know, the ball won back by Eccles with a slide tackle. Palmer nicks in, plays a wonderful one two with yeah. Homer. Flicks a ball in between two defenders and the finish is just sublime. I mean, you can't take that away from him. It's in the corner of the goal. It's just beautiful. Just a brilliant goal,
4: Ross. Yeah, superb. And a huge shout. I think Palmer plays a huge role in that, you know. Um...
2: But he nicks it first and then flicks it.
4: It's brilliant. But how many times that... People will look at that And because he makes it look so simple and, it, and, you know, Hamer's on the move. It's perfectly in front of him. How many times that doesn't come off? You know, and often all, so we will never even get that attacking option because it all just it would just like fall apart. I think Palmer, I'll speak about him a little bit later. I've, I've been incredibly impressed actually. Um, but Hamer, great run, and that's him at his best. You know that confidence, and you know he's got the ability. We saw against Luton with that goal. You know, again, right foot, and and yeah, it was like I say, Sheffield United was dusting off the cobwebs. You know, getting back, you know, into actual sort of Championship match action. And then obviously against Stoke, he's he's you know secured the three points ultimately uh, with obviously a great pass, and then and then a great finish, and he is capable of scoring. I, I genuinely do think like you know the upper area towards the ten goals. I yeah, think because he gets 10 for sure. I, yeah. I, you know if he if he finishes the season with eight goals, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like, yeah, I certainly think he's capable. He gets in those positions. He's got that turn of pace. He can he can get past the defender, and he's he's not afraid to have a shot. And I want him to shoot more because he's he's. When he gets it right, he, he gets it really right. So, yeah, superb for him, brilliant goal. And, yeah, it was nice to see us sort of, you know, take a player on, take their defenders on, you know. Um, I feel like sometimes this season, our players being very in front of the opposition. So, I think actually going at pace, that reminded me of goal, a goal from last year, you know, that sort of quick counter-attack, quick football. So, yeah, brilliant.
2: I thought Ben Wilmot had, for them at, at the back, had a really, really good game up until that moment. And then that that just changed the whole perception of how well he he had played because really Garcares was very quiet during this game.
4: Yeah, like, no, really and, and and that's why, and again, as we say, you know, he's not going to be able to and against Sheffield United, he was quiet, but then he had that one run, and that's all it needs to, you know, to win us yeah. the penalty. So that's why we can't rely on him, you know, because you know, teams know that he's one of the best strikers in the league. You know, not necessarily just with his, not necessarily his finishing, but you know what he brings in terms of ball carrying, relentless sort of power. So we need our midfielders. We need Palmer. We need Allen. We need O'Hare. Now he's back. We need Hamer to to, to contribute. So because otherwise we won't score. Do you know what I mean? So we need we need people to contribute, and obviously he certainly did. And uh, yeah, it was a huge moment in the game. And yeah, brilliant, brilliant goal.
2: And talking of huge moments, Matt, the biggest cheer of the day was reserved for the return. Of the Solihull Messi Calum O'Hare back in action, uh, absolutely brilliant to see. Not only obviously you know which might change the, our style of play, but just lifts the team as well as you could see from the the celebrations after the game.
3: Yeah, he's just he's a character. Obviously, he's and um, you know he's he's obviously always going to be around there at, at the uh, the training ground. You know, even when he's not in the squad, he's going to be participated well. he would always have been participating in, in some level of, you know been in there on a day-to-day basis and then go back onto the pitch pitching train and everything else so you know there's probably an element that we can buy into in terms of like him, him being more involved in things over the last few weeks as well because he's such a character I think you have those people within a football club who just give the, the people around them a lift and he's certainly one of them for us um just you know not 100% all on, on what he does on the pitch which is you know, in itself more than enough um, because of the quality that he brings. He's just one of those characters as well. He obviously buys into the club, so he's somebody that the fans get a lift from as well because he obviously seems very much invested in in the football club as a whole. And his um, introduction was, yeah, you you don't, you know, obviously players miss that length of time. You you, want to see him come back, but you don't have too many players in your team that are going to get that kind of reaction when they come back after a few months out. And, um, it's going to be such a massive lift. You could see it at the end with the celebrations, you know, they wanted to get him involved and get him in front of the fans and he's ready to do that because he's got such a good relationship. He just would have been so good if he'd have oh, got that, that goal at the end. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good save, in fairness, to Bursic. It's um, it's one of those he can only react. It's a really, it's a Welsh hit um, strike. It's, he's not going to see it until late and he gets down really well. It's low as well. So it's, it's actually a fantastic save to give the keeper credit. But if I just could have found its way into the backer, that what a celebration that had have been. You know, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to say oh, it would have been a greater thing because I don't think he needs it. I think the fact that he's back in the, in the team and, and everything else is going to give him the lift that he needs. And, you know, he's naturally that kind of player in person, anyway. So it's not anything to do with that. It just been such a nice moment for him after, and for us after, obviously, the last few months that he's had. But just in general, anyway, it's fantastic to have him back.
2: Yeah, and I think the Sky Army we were very appreciative of... The whole team's efforts in that second half the noise that was coming through on i was just outrageous like you could not hear stoke at all during that game it was relentless from that away support
3: yeah they do. i think they're kind of being understood what you know even though performances maybe at times over the last few weeks haven't always been fantastic they've understood the changes that we've made um, within the team and the style of play, we've got that solid, you know, solid um, style at the back. In and obviously McFadden's raised his game. You've got Panzo who looks really solid. Rose again, who people two months ago I feel like had pretty much written off. He's come back into the team to the extent now that we've got people who everybody thought was was obviously pretty much set to be a starter for the rest of the season. But now it's really, you know, if you look at it, it's really positive to have him. Um, as a substitute as well because you're not looking at it and you worrying if one of those goes out we're completely screwed we have got that option at the back so the changes that we've made there and there is still a little bit of work to be done but we've kind of built it on that um, solid back line that we've we've got and um, you know I, I think the fans are just really reacting to what's going on at the club at the moment, Hamer obviously coming Back off suspension. O'Hare coming back from his injury, it's all really positive, and um, yeah, it really did come through in terms of the atmosphere. And hopefully, obviously, with some really big home games coming up over the next few weeks, we can we can keep that going because if we, you know, we, we know how much we benefited from that fantastic atmosphere at the St. Last season, if we can keep that for, for the next few weeks and, and those home games to come, we could, you know, we might be in the top half by the by the <laughs> by the start of the World Cup, as you're pretty much demanding we are.
2: Well, we better be. That's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, let's get some. Uh, let's get some man of the matches from you. From you both. Let's start with you, Matt.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go with Hamer. Um, just for those moments, you know, and there were really good performances. Again, the defense has done really well, um, and in midfield as well. Um, but I'd have to give it to Hamer for just that's that's the kind of performance we, we need to be seen from him on a regular basis. And obviously Hamer is, you know, technically for me the best football player that we have at the at the club, but if I'm being really critical, I don't know if we've seen that level from him often enough. And, you we know, don't see him being...
2: often enough, because well, you like exactly. that's right. Yeah,
3: that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that level when he is playing is what we need to see from him on a week-in, week-out basis, because he is that good. So it's never been that I felt like he hasn't got that talent. It's more a case of, you know, do we see it often enough? Do we always see that right um, level of decision-making? And, and we have seen it, certainly, in, in situations. But maybe the fact that he's had two red cards in the space of you know, three months, you know, maybe has kind of taken it on board. Because for me, it was a disciplined performance. It was composed, um, but we still saw plenty of those moments of quality. So, um, yeah, we have to um, reflect that in terms of saying, for me, he was the man of the match. Ross? Yeah, agreed. Uh,
4: Hamer, it's about match-winning moments. And he came up with two for us, isn't he? So, yep. Yeah, brilliant from Hamer. And hopefully, same again on Tuesday. And he didn't get a yellow card, so bonus point for that. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
2: Okay, let's look ahead to another big week for the Sky Blues. Two home games, as Matt alluded to earlier on, uh, for us to feast upon and a good chance for another big push up the table. Ross, on paper, I know we say this quite often, but on paper, these definitely look like winnable games. But this is the championship, right? Like, nothing is ever that easy. But we're the team with momentum. And we have to take advantage of that against Rotherham and Blackpool.
4: Yeah, they're gonna be there will be difficult games. I think you know, it, you know, you win three games and suddenly you can look at Rotherham and go, yeah, newly promoted sides, yeah, at home, we're, you know, we're gonna push them over, but we're Coventry City, so that's probably not gonna be the case. I to be honest with you, before Sheffield United, I, I was would have been happy with three points, you know, from Sheffield United and Stoke. We've come out with six from those two games, so to me it just raises the stakes in terms of what an opportunity Tuesday is. It's a game in hand. So that's the one that I, you know, Blackpool tough game. Blackpool will be very, very tough. We could win, lose or draw that game, you know, quite easily, you know, I, I think, think they're,
2: they're the only three things that can happen. Yeah. You a are right. Match,
4: yeah. I know. But there's some times where you just think, I, I would say there's a 33.3% <laughs> chance. Of, of, of Yeah. Whereas there's some games where you go, you know what? I, I'd say we're more likely to win the Rotherham on Tuesday, but I, I, I think they will come. To the CBS and do what we've been doing in our recent games. I think they're going to try and keep it tight, keep a clean sheet for as long as the game goes on. And obviously, that's when things can get frustrating. Frustrating, you know, and might try and hit us with a sucker punch. So we've just got to come out of the blocks quick. And if we get an early goal, I think a big crowd. Yeah, we could. Like I say if we win on Tuesday, come 10 p.m., we're, we're out of the bottom three. We, we go up to 17th. Um, and that just does everything for morale, doesn't it? Oh. More
2: than anything, like the position means nothing at this stage of the season but from a, a confidence point of view and just like being in that vicinity it just does
4: everything for well, the team it does everything for the team i think it's, i think our results have been having an effect on other teams fans in terms of you know i think i think you know lazy fans of other teams sort of just looked that we were bottom didn't really give the credit you know of not you know, the the situation we'd been in and just thought our oh, commentary rubbish sort of thing bottom of the league I think teams are suddenly going, you know, you look at Cardiff, Wigan, you know, all the teams above us, West Brom, Huddersfield, you know, they've played two, three games more than us. And that's, you know, they're like a point ahead or behind us in, in some cases. So I think... Well, nothing says that more than looking at Stoke's forum
2: yesterday and the absolute salty tears that were coming out from, from there. It was just horrific. I mean, I love looking at fans' forums after... I do, I do. When, when we win, a, When we win a game, I just love their opinion, just to see what they say. And most of them were were, you know, taking three points from from yesterday's game. But obviously, we they didn't really realize of you know how how much of a decent team we are. And just to add to that, we did finish above them last season with well, pretty much the same nucleus of the team.
4: And we haven't actually, you know, apart from Hyam, we haven't lost anyone. We lost O'Hare to an injury, you know, and and we we lost our home games because of the pitch. Of their team. It's la-
2: yeah, it's lazy. But it?
4: it's not just other fans. It's you know you know, championship sort of, you know, podcasts and stuff. It's exactly the same. There's not, there isn't that, you know, uh, you know, I sometimes listen to bits and I find it sort of insufferable at times because it's it's just the sweeping statement of, well, you yeah, accomplished rubbish at the start of the season. Well, I, I, I disagree. I thought second half against Sunderland, that we were the only team, it looked like we were going to win it, against Millwall, you know, again, we battered them until we made a mistake.
2: I look back at those, there were just yeah. the one goal deficits in those games.
4: Yeah, and it was mistakes. It was literally keeper howlers Cost us from having another four points on the board that we'd already have right now. You know, if we'd beat Millwall, you know, and beat uh, Sunderland, you'd literally be laughing, sort of thing. So, I think, I always think for us as fans, it's easier with this, with what happened, for us to sort of our judgment be clouded a little bit. Robbins, you, you used, to, you, you heard him sometimes after the whole game, and he sounded down in the dumps. You know, so he it's difficult. He, he was he was you know but it, and it's, it's obviously it's difficult you know when our manager who we love is he sounds frustrated we're frustrated everyone is whereas you, you know I, sometimes we probably did overreact you know negatively and some fans did but i think we've got to remember where we are a good side and i think if we can get out get a win on tuesday four wins on the spin would be huge coming the last time we did that we certainly didn't do that last year at all um then yeah, I think suddenly we, we then look up. You know, I didn't yeah. look at the table honestly for about the first six seven weeks of the season because I was like, "What's the point?" You know, we're we're bottom. You know, unless we, <laughs> what can we do? Whereas now I can't stop looking at the table. I've just got it <laughs> next to me right now. You know, Sleeps so, next to it. it. It does. It's my phone move,
2: background. Move the misses out. Put just put yeah, oh. uh, put C FAX next year. Yeah, yeah, classic. Um, Matt uh, Ross alluded to it there. You know, th- these teams are probably going to come to the CBS and just be hard to break down you think that's going to be the sort of the key area for for us and we've got options now you know does O'Hare come into the side does he play with Palmer does Eccles start ahead of Sheaf after his performances recently Waghorn's performed well Walker might be back available do we unleash his pace it's like there's options there for the first time in a long time that we've got options to take on various different styles of teams
3: yeah, and that's even with obviously a couple of injuries. You know, we felt, as we said, we we were kind of coming to the end of of that, and we were finally going to get a full squad to to choose from. And obviously, we've kind of been knocked back on that front. But as you say, we've still got those options, which you know, the and you, as you say, the options that we've got provide quite a different, um, quite a varied level of options in terms of the way that we can we can play. As you say, on Taylor and sorry, on Walker and um. Tavares offer three very different styles of football to go along with Geockarez. So if we were to go with two up front, then um that two up front could look very different in terms of you know who is that second man to come in. Or as you say, we could stick with Geockarez and go with a with a Palmer and and an O'Hare. So with with Robbins as well, you can try and predict with these little decisions, but he will just kind of throw something at you which you don't expect. And um I do kind of look at these games, and I think, particularly with Rotherham, that's the one that stands out for me. You know, Rotherham, um, think they're are they they're, twelve, they're twelve. Yeah. Kind of they've been a good
2: start to the season. Yeah. They, considering they were favourites to to go down, and with a change of manager during that exactly.
3: time. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the thing that stands out. You know, the last four weeks for them was is without a manager that had for six years. So you kind of lump those things together. You think a newly promoted team trying to find their way back at this level, and then they've lost that kind of stability that they've had there for six years and that, you know, he's really kind of ingrained into the club's style of play and his players and all of that kind of stuff. So that's, you look over the last four weeks, they haven't really dipped in their form. I mean, say for them, they haven't really had form because it's it's been quite, you know, they're not really, I think they've won two games back to back once and then it's all been kind of they'll, they'll win, they'll draw, they'll lose, they'll win, you know, there's been no real rhythm to, to their season, so they're a side that can come and do anything, they can they can score goals as well, but you kind of look at it and think they will actually probably be the kind side for me that are more likely to park the bus um, with some of those experienced players, that have got obviously Richard Word and, and people like that, so Rotherham would be the key game for me if we can can break them down. But like you say, we've got those options to kind of say, you know, maybe we reflect what we need to do to create opportunities against them in terms of who we go with. You know, we can can make those changes to try and reflect what we think they're going to do and change our, not massively change our style of play, but just maybe change what we do from an attacking point of view, because there probably is that opportunity for us as well. We have, you know, not, we haven't, set the world on fire from a striking perspective. But I think when it comes to Blackpool, I'm quite I know we we've, we've had some dodgy results against them maybe over the last few years when we've played them but um, I, think I think they fancy themselves they
2: look, a bit. They look a bit they look yeah. a bit dodgy. They I mean it's second highest amount of goals conceded in the league. I think they are join yeah. at that point. So like you said, I think they think they're a little bit big time.
3: Yeah, they played, generally, I know last game they played uh, 4-3-3 and it was at home and it didn't work out too bad for them as well because they scored four but goals. But it was a but... local
2: derby. They're always going to be, you know, yeah. they're different, aren't they? Derbies are always different, especially a Blackpool PNE one.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of, I do look at the situation or the game with them and I kind of, I actually feel like, I feel really confident that we will actually beat them. And, you know, we should feel confident in both these games with the form that we're in, the fact that there are two home games against against teams who are coming up from the division below, you know, teams that we are, on paper, comfortably better than in my opinion, so um, we should be comfortable anyway, but as we say, it's Commercy City, you kind of look at it, you think, are we always going to do what what we should do, and that's maybe benefited over the last few weeks, is it going to go the other way a little bit in the next few games, but really confident against against Blackpool, um, against Rotherham, it's going to be whether we can we can potentially break them down. And as Ross said, I think he's right here in terms of the fact of saying, um, are they going to try to do to us what we've done to other teams over the last few weeks? So I think we just need to make sure we stay patient. You know, let them do that if, what, if that's what they're going to do. But just um, you know, maybe take our opportunities when they come because yeah, they're probably going to make it difficult for us, and uh, we're going to need to take our opportunities in that one.
2: All right, and put your money where your mouth is. What do you reckon, predictions wise? for those two games
3: uh rather i mean i think we will we will get there I, I think we'll probably um i think it might be another one no you know yeah it might take um, time yeah exactly yeah and that's why i say patience if we can not panic with the fact of you know maybe this is a game that we're expected to win against games where we haven't been expected to win you know against the team who try and make it difficult for us rather than it being the other way around um, then I think we just need to have that confidence that we'll get the opportunities, and, and as long as we can, we can obviously take um, one of the few opportunities that come. Then I think we'll oh, yeah, be okay. So yeah, I'm going to go for one nil in that one.
2: And the Blackpool one, you reckon what more goals in that or?
3: Yeah, oh yeah, Blackpool. I'm going to say three one. I'm confident. Okay. I, yeah.
2: Ross,
4: um, I, I think a draw on ch- uh, Tuesday night. Um, okay. And then I think I think we're capable of beating Blackpool. I just think
2: I think a four point week would be would be positive, wouldn't it? Definitely to go with what we've got in the bag for those last three games.
4: Yeah, I you know, and that's not saying I, we're more than capable. Obviously, of winning on Tuesday. I just think I think the most, yeah, it, it's one of those where obviously at some point in the next few games we're probably going to go behind. You know, potentially we'll concede another goal. We've only conceded one in however many games. So it's how we respond to that. You know. Um, it's kinda of given us a little bit of breathing space to potentially drop some points over the next couple of games. Oh, so it's winning those three, right? One hundred one hundred percent, you know. And to me, I don't I think I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if we got three points in the next two games. If we got another win, like like Black, um, Blackburn are showing, if you win and lose, if you avoid draws, actually you can afford those extra defeats because you're winning games. So I don't think three points would actually be the worst thing. If we say win on Tuesday, lost on Saturday, I, I really don't think it'd be the end of the world at all, but we are capable of, you know, I think four points would be a, a really good return added to what we've just done in this last week.
2: Okay. Before we go though, I do want to sort of, I would like to try and keep it to sort of on the pitch, but unfortunately uh, this is Coventry city. We've got to talk about off the pitch <laughs> as well. Um there's always drama, isn't there? Um, and then more so than this week, with the issues revolving Wasp's ownership of the CBS and their ACL and ICE experience limited sub-companies. Um, I mean, current understanding of the situation is that they've filed a notice to appoint an administrator for that side of the company, giving them till Thursday or Friday to find a potential buyer for, for that side of the business. I don't know if you guys seen today that there was a report in the Times that claims that there was an unknown offer has been made for the for the CBS. It's been accepted, but no confirmation of that as of yet. And I think for me, it's kind of like it's unsettling again. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, especially if that buyer stuff turns out to be absolute horseshit, then that side of the business is going to go into administration and it's the unknown then for, for the Sky Blues, I suppose.
4: Yeah, I mean, I know I haven't seen that about, you know, this 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 report about you know a bid being accepted or, or whatever, and who that's from, we have no idea. Obviously, to me, I I don't I'm not worried about us not being able to play our games there. I think you know whether it's the the council, you know, you know finding well, the council
2: know. hold the freehold on yes, of course they, they do. So, so, so yeah. regardless of if a buyer comes in or not, it's yeah. down then to the council. Yeah, the they're buying the lease. You know, the yeah. new
4: buyer is buying buying the leasehold. So. Who knows? I mean, it's not, yeah, we've waited long enough. I mean, it's probably, like you say, it's probably going to be the next week, week, 10 days, couple of weeks. Hopefully, yeah, we'll Hopefully this coming week, we'll find out more information about it. But um, there's an opportunity for us here, uh, you know, and whether it happens or not, I have my doubts because, you know, if, if Sisu did actually, you know, put the money where the mouth is and instead of building this new mythical stadium, you Know which is never going to happen, actually. Then went okay. You know, they've spoke, they've spent years talking about the importance of owning our own ground. You know, match day revenues. Tim Fisher used to go on about it, pies, all of this. You know, I it's think just David Moore buying the pies. That's that's just, as David, as well. that's just David Moore, you know. Um, they they Sing, took single
2: handedly seo- keeping the catering company afloat, afloat. David Moore.
4: <laughs> um, the, the, the legal the legal stuff, you know, like distressing wasps, you know, with all that time, all that money, what's all that for? If they don't, then yeah. when a better, op- there's not going to be a better opportunity then to get the arena. This, If they don't get it now, they're never going to get it. So to me, the only ways this can end is either CC were thinking, Look are, are open to sell but they would want an inflated price with someone who could come in whether it's this John McAvoy or someone else or Mike Ashley or whoever who might want to get the club and, and the arena and unite the club and the arena for the first time or CC actually go no we, we we actually want to keep we want to keep the football club this is the next step in allowing us to then push on and maybe a bit more be a bit more ambitious to to you know to sort of get up to the prem or ultimately with revenues and all that sort of stuff I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like if they did buy it, that would be the end of the saga. And that's why I just don't think it's going to happen because I think this is going to rumble on for, you know, um, for God knows how long. So I don't know what's going to happen. We spoke about it, Dino, in the week. I think they do want to get it as cheap as possible. That was the whole purpose of why they were fuming about WASP being given the ownership of it in the first place. They disputed how much they paid for it. They've gone on and on and on. They've achieved what they wanted to in terms of, you know, WASP are, are done. There's an opportunity now. But they've got a, they can't. There's there's going to be a lot of interested parties. that talk about the NEC. There's talk about Mike Ashley. You know, you, I don't know who who this person is in this report today. You might be buying it, Dina. You know, there's lots of people who who who, who want to want the arena because it isn't just a football stadium, is it? You know, there is so much that comes with it. C- C-
2: imagine that conference hall for a podcast. That's all I'm
4: going to say. Well, yeah, Sky Blue Sky Blue Extra Live, everybody. You know, imagine um, that
2: conference center just the Sky Blue Extra Hall. Oh.
3: Is that what going to be, the... I mean, it's 7,000 you can get in there. Do we not want to go with the bowl or?
2: No, just for it. As long
3: as it's just start off furious, in the... yeah. yeah, start off in That's fine. What, you're saying.
2: Wait, what do you think will happen? What, what, what? Do you know? Who, me? Yeah. I think the plan is, to, with my CCU hat on, the plan is that they want, they're hoping that they go going administration because the bids will not be good enough at this point. Uh, and then get tr- ultimately try and get on the cheap from the administrator, which isn't going to happen because there's going to be other potential buyers at that point too. So that's going to inflate the price even more. Um, so it's now or never, like you say, I think. I think you go in there str- headstrong with a, a good bid, one that can't be turned down mm. because ultimately, if they do want to sell the football club, the football club is not going to be sold unless they own the ground. Yep. Now that is... If they want to sell it they need to own the ground now okay you might pay a little bit more for it now but imagine if you want to sell the football club you've got a huge asset behind it and say well look you're not only just buying a football club here you're buying a conferencing hall you're buying a casino you're buying a hotel you're buying this whole grand you know unit not just a football club so that's a more of attractive um proposition for for a buyer so I don't know with the, with the Sisu hat I just think they want to get it on the cheap and ultimately you'd you want them just to go in headstrong and and buy it now but I don't think that's going to happen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of it's one of those things that I, I I don't really as many of us have too much faith in in you know Cisu kind of doing what you you're talking about there. They are um anything they try and do they're going to try and do it as cheaply as they can so i would i would expect that they are yeah whatever route that they can potentially take to try and um maximize the financial side of things for themselves whether that be wait a bit and hope that somebody doesn't buy it and um and it goes through a process which means they're going to get it hopefully on the cheap then yeah they'll certainly look to do that and um and obviously, as you say, it's such an attractive kind of entity with with the range of things that you have there at the stadium, then there is certainly no guarantees that that's going to happen. Um, so I don't really have too much confidence, faith or belief that it's going to end up being a situation where, as a football club, we're going to own that stadium and then we're going to be able to package it um, with the club, because then you kind of think championship club, one one team city, Um, You know, really good stadium, really good location, really good set of players. Everything's kind of on the up. You think it's a really great situation for somebody to come in and buy. And you you think it's one of those clubs that people would be, you know, heavily interested in. And we've obviously already seen those murmurs and rumours of people being interested in it. So you kind of, you think there's so much opportunity potentially there. But yeah, it probably is always going to be weighted down by the fact of, you know, people are really going to want to invest when you've got the stadium there. So um, I don't know any, any experience we've had over the last few few years is going to leave you with a negative uh, expectation of, of what's going to happen. I think from a playing perspective, because, you know, you know, probably early in the season, we we had that worry of um, everything going on around the club with the situation with the pitch and all this kind of stuff affecting the, you know, the team, the players, um, not just from the fact of, um as not being able to play home games, but it is, is it kind of affecting their mentality and everything else? I think we've now seen that realistically wasn't the case. I think the issue that we we're having there was, you know, we were playing a game and then having to wait two weeks and then, and then play and then wait two weeks. And we really weren't able to get that rhythm. We're seeing now once we're able to get that rhythm, what actually happens, and we're seeing what we are as a football team. So I'm not worried about, as long as we can obviously continue to play, which I think there'll always be that opportunity for us to do so. Um, I'm not too worried at the moment about it affecting us from the, the on-pitch side of things. I just ultimately probably think from a overall perspective of the football club and, and everything else, as, m- as massive a thing as it would be for us to own the stadium, um, ultimately probably won't happen, will it, unfortunately? No, I don't think so. It's never dull, I've is it? Going back to a Debbie situation. <laughs> <laughs> <said>. What a <laughs> brilliant way oh, to sorry. sort of
2: end this week. <laughs> a two-win <laughs> two <win> podcast. <laughs> It's 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 it really is never dull uh, being a Coventry seat fan, both on and off the pitch, and it promises to be uh, an intriguing week, shall we say, lads? Uh, thank you very much for your input this week, as always. A big thank you to our sponsors at the Sky Blue Tavern, and an even bigger thanks to you, the listeners at home, for your continued support. If you have any topics you want to discuss, please get in contact via the usuals. Use the hashtag SBE Podcast. And we'll see you back here next week.
4: Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However...